0: From the creator economy to the end of Bretton Woods and the origins of the metaverse, this is the UAE Tech Podcast Web 3 Edition. Tune in for cutting-edge interviews on how blockchain is reshaping cyberspace, finance and culture from here in Dubai and cities around the world.
1: First of all, the DeFi is very, you know, like very, very new. As I mentioned, DeFi emerged like in the summer 2020, so it's a, yeah. it's more like infant. That's compared to like more than like a few hundreds of years of a development of like central bank. Mm. So DeFi is still very, very young. So it's mm. a, a, I think for a long time, you know, DeFi will be like another part of the, you know, like a different part of like a financial kind of a tools for some people, and still majority of people were using. Uh, you know, central bank, but uh, but DeFi will be growing and to address some you know needs, like for example, as, as I mentioned, lending and borrowing without KYC and flash loans. So certainly, DeFi is very closely connected to the, to the crypto because most of DeFi protocols are built on like you know kind of a, some, for example, swaps or lending and borrowing for some tokens. Um, so of course, as I mentioned, the DeFi has a quite a bit of risk. Uh, so, for example, uh, Luna is a case of the showing that the algorithm stablecoin has a big risk because Luna is, you know, just uh, using the algorithm to to, to kind of uh, try to stabilize the price of a certain token and trying to make it back to the U.S. dollar. But it turns out, you know, during some, you know, events, you know, like this stablecoin becomes no longer stable. And that's a very big consequence to like a bank rent. For example, like 3AC and CLCS, you know, it's really kind of a, like, you know, let's mimic to like 2008, kind of like financial crisis. It's really kind of a financial contingent. So in that perspective, you know, we certainly need a very strong regulation saying that, for example, you have to make like very good characterization or even over-collacterize the stable coin. And also like DeFi has certain risk, for example, you know, like it has the for example, one is kind of arbitrary, like arbitrage risk, sandwich attack, you know, all these kind of attacks will happen on b Five. And also it's experience, you know, like security risk. So I don't know if you heard about just the news that happened like about two days ago. Like, you know, for example, Solana Wallets yeah. has been, you know, jailbreak and, you know, people lost the money in there. So in the centralized the bank finance, you know, in the, in the C-Bank world, so the bank will be responsible for, for paying the money back in the DeFi, you know, probably we still need regulation to say, like, in such a case happen, who will be responsible for that?
0: How technologies fit together, dance and converge can often be surprising. Our first episode of the UAE Tech podcast explored how the blockchain would seed new systems of government and particularly finance. Yet in some sectors, the opposite is happening. As with government services, finance is increasingly integrating with the blockchain. While TradFi has existed for hundreds of years, DeFi has been around for little more than a decade. Will KYC and AML regulation replace those dreams of disintermediated cyber markets? What role will Web3 and the metaverse play in this digital economy of the future? Ahead of his workshops at JITEX, we caught up with Professor Z. Chan from NYU Stern for a discussion on how technologies are converging in ways that are simply impossible to predict. <laughs> Today we're talking with Z Chen, Professor at NYU Stern, CS and Center for Data Science and an expert in AI machine learning and blockchain and Web3. Z, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you on the podcast. Can you quickly tell us a little bit about yourself and your research interests?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for your invitation. So I'm a professor at New York University, Stern School of Business, also affiliated to Computer Science and Center for Data Science. Uh, previously, I did my PhD from Carnegie Mellon University in machine learning, and then I did a postdoc at UC Berkeley, uh, also in AI. Uh, so my research interest includes like machine learning and AI, and especially their applications to e-commerce, such as pricing, recommendation, advertising, as, as, as well as fintech. And recently, I you know after twenty twenty about like summer DeFi, uh, the Web three also got a lot of my interest. So like I kind of shift my research a little bit to the Web three, including like infrastructure and also like DeFi and tokenomics.
0: Well, so there's a lot we can talk about today. Um, I wanted to start by you know those are are some uh, American universities that are very very well respected. Um, What has it been like studying at your level, at you know NYU Stern and at Berkeley? Uh, for anyone listening, what was your experience at those institutions, and, and what is the kind of research culture like at, at American universities uh, at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, like, um, it's, um, you know, like, like, American university has the one special property that, you know, like, the boundary between, like, different fields are very, you know, like, you know, you, you can easily cross the bridge from, like, different fields, you know, and there's a lot of, like, highly interdisciplinary programs you know, connecting, for example, finance with respect to computer science and AI. So that's a very, very important for like FinTech. And there are some, you know, like, for example, economics connecting with, let's say, blockchain technology goes into like tokenomics. So there's a lot of like this interdisciplinary research happens in the, in, you know, especially large institutions um, at United States. I think this is a, one of the things that like, very exciting and attracts me a lot.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I've noticed that the the, inter, the interdisciplinary aspect um, in the US is kind of amazing. And of course, they have the ref- resources and teams to do that. They also have really good connections with with the private sector um, mm-hmm. and a lot of research resources. But yeah, that's a really good point. So I want to jump straight in to your work in fintech, because I know you're doing a couple of workshops at JITECS, uh, which is the premium uh, technology conference here in the UAE in in October. And I know you have some ideas and some thoughts you want to share on both FinTech in the UAE and the application of artificial intelligence in FinTech uh, going forwards. So to begin with, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about what the workshops are about uh, at JITECs in October and also why you think FinTech in the UAE is a particularly interesting sector at the moment.
1: Yes, thank you so much. I think there's a very giant, you know, kind of a conference connecting academia, industry, and many other parties, and maybe the government at uh, UAE in October. It has several different sectors. One is called AI Everything, and the other is called Think Tech Search, and the uh, the third one is called like Future Blockchain Summit. So there's three different themes like happen to like all together and inviting people from industry, from academia, from government to sit together to discuss this kind of a disruptive technology. So I'm very interested in fintech and especially I think UAE is doing fantastic in this world. Uh, So I just give you some statistics, you know, like for example, the UAE, the fintech sector in the Middle East is growing very rapidly at a compounded annual growth rate of more than like 30%. In 2017, there's only about like 30 fintech companies raised about $80 million. But now like in 2022, there are more than 800 fintech companies and raise more than $2 billion VC funds. And this startup covers a wide range of applications, including payment, robot advising, EKYC, crowdfunding, lending, digital banking, DeFi, personalized insurance, and especially, for example, AI for fraud and security. So, so it's, it's very, very exciting. I think there's uh, two reasons, I'm, you know, like, Thinking the UAE is doing so fantastic, especially in the fintech uh, field. The uh, the, f- the first one is like kind of the policy support. Uh, as you probably know, there are two leading UAE financial zones, like Abu Dhabi Global Market and also Dubai International Financial Center. They are really the flagship flagship examples of UAE's fintech success. And the other is you know educational support. The so UAE has a very young population, like um more than like say almost a half of the people are around age, you know, like below like 30 years old. And there's a lot of like a new university kind of established at UAE. Uh, for example, there's a, the University of AI, uh, which is led by Professor Eric Shing. Actually, he's, he was my mentor for my PhD study at CME. And also, mm-hmm. uh, for example, NYU has this Abu Dhabi campus. So there's a lot, lot of like a new educational effort devoted to this technology like AI, blockchain. So I think, you know, like, uh, I'm very, very excited about like the UAE's success, especially in the fintech field.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that was a really good analysis you just provided. I think, you know, it feels like the fintech ecosystem came out of nowhere, but of course, that's not the case. It took, you know, years and years of planning to create some of the incubators you have in the DIFC to create the Abu Dhabi global market, and then to connect that to, you know, international stakeholders in education uh, and in development and in policy and regulation. And I think over the past couple of years, the UAE has really started to reap the benefits of that journey that started quite a long time ago. And connecting to what you first talked about, I think what you also have now is, is once that inflection point has been reached. You do have this ability to be interdisciplinary so to connect different sectors in and around this fintech revolution of course the first one was e-commerce and as i'm sure you know e-commerce uh, came relatively late to the middle east compared to the rest of the world compared to the united states or, or china for example but has really been surging particularly surging during COVID 19 but but the other sector that has had a lot of work in the UAE and is merging with all sorts of other sectors is artificial intelligence and I wanted to ask you a little bit about um you know to begin with I suppose the history and recent advances in AI and then maybe some case studies and how you think AI can be diligently or or compellingly applied to the fintech market
1: yes thank you very very much for this question so uh, let me give a little bit of background of AI. So, so AI, so what is AI? What is artificial intelligence? It's a kind of like a set of technologies that enable computers to perceive, learn, reason, and especially assist in decision making to solve problems. So, in the past few years, like AI really becomes a buzzword, you know, like, so practically any computer program can automatically do something is just a refer to AI. But from more like, perf- Professional perspective, we usually like separate the AI into two different categories. One we call the a- ANI, which is referred to like artificial narrow intelligence, um, which means like it, there's no self-awareness of AI. It cannot reason as humans, but it can do very good on specific tasks. For example, simple, like, for example, image classification, playing chess. So you've heard about like the Alpha Go by DeepMind, you know, a like, very good like Go game and even like self-driving car. And the, the next level of AI is what we call the artificial general intelligence, which means like AI has certain self-awareness and can make real reasoning for some unseen problems before. So recently, there's a very hot debate on an NLP system by Google. So basically a Google engineer, Blake, he opened his laptop uh, to an interface called Lambda, so which is kind of Google invented uh, question-answering kind of system. So he chat with this kind of chatbot um, and this Google artificial intelligence chatbot generator have a very long conversation with this engineer. So he then he raised the question to discuss whether we have already reached the level of AGI, which is the artificial general intelligence. I think it's a very good, you know, there's a lot of debate on the internet and it's a, at least it's a very good progress. So, so from like, you know, like, AI, so basically it's a start, more like start from kind of a uh, why was study like AI is more about machine learning, where you like prediction or classification, uh, you know, for certain particular tasks, for example, time series forecasting. At about like 2012 uh, like to 2014 is the rise of like deep learning. So using the deep learning, we can do very large scale like image net, you know, like image classification, natural language processing, question answering system speech and also you know like this kind of a alpha go, which is kind of decision making interactive decision making and nowadays you know deploying ai to you know e-commerce as you mentioned fintech becomes more and more easier because we have a lot of cloud services like amazon aws google cloud and they provide tons of like auto machine learning tools to deploy certain kind of machine learning algorithms or ai algorithms so i think you know from machine learning to deep learning to auto machine learning so we are like the AI has become more and more ready for the large scale application for industrial use. So in terms of your second question, um, uh, think how the AI has facilitated, you know, like fintech. I will just give you some examples. You know, it has a wider range of applications, uh, to fintech. Uh, for example, you know, like uh, in the past a few years, the robot advising becomes more and more popular. Where you specify your risk profile, and AI may you know kind of uh, trying to. Doing the auto investing, you know, like to uh, diversify your portfolio and make some risk management to help you do the investment. And also AI plays a very, very important role in like security in FinTech. And as we know, like security is very, very important. So, you know, like uh, for example, the graph neural network, which is rent advanced in deep learning, has played a very important role in financial risk analysis. It can provide you very personal level credit card fraud detection. You know, corporate fraud risk prediction, accounting fraud, uh, detection, so on and so forth. And a third example, you know, the first one is robot advising security tool, you know, kind of uh enhance the security. And also another application, for example, is credit qualification. You know, as for example, ninety like more than 70 percent of people using credit card for purchase, and AI can better evaluate its candidates' qualification and make much more accurate interest for the loans. So, there are some companies, for example, there's in the United States, for example, there's that the AI. Um, so, they evaluate the borrowers without any credit scores. And this can reduce, for example, they show they can reduce car financing company loss by more than like 20%. Uh, so, there are some other like Ether AI platform with more than 100 million users. Uh, they are working with all credit card companies to um, you know, like a better evaluate candidate's credit uh, qualification. And also, you know, like another interesting application of AI is like personalized insurance. Without AI, you cannot imagine that. You know, like, for example, if you buy insurance, you already do ask you questions, you know, like, what is your age, whether you're married or not. But it's not the good thing because people vary a lot. My behavior can be very different from another one. So, there are some personalized insurance company, for example, there's one company called Root. Uh, it is a car insurance company. Very interesting. This will install some sensor on your cars. So based on your mm. driving behavior, you know, for example, whether you make sharp turns, whether you're a good driver or mm. not, you know, all these kind of things. And so, so based on all these kind of things, they will give you very accurate insurance plan and insurance premium um, for your like car insurance. So the real power of AI, I, I feel like it's, if I use one word to characterize the real power of AI, it's about personalization. So, so you know, like, you can think about using AI it can achieve a very personalized level of, like, you know, every aspect of FinTech. I don't know if I answered this question in, in a clear way. No, I didn't
0: interrupt you, Z, because that was just such an amazing breakdown. Um, really interesting, both the You know, history of narrow and uh, general artificial intelligence, and also some of those applications. And as you said, you know, stressing personalization and also doing things at scale uh, that would have been impossible uh, in the past. Um, And I I think we have had previous episodes that have touched on some of those case studies, um, particularly in investing, but also in, of course, medicine, which is a slightly different vertical. But there is a lot there to to talk about. Um, I think what you just described in AI will make sense to our audience and was a very clear explanation of what's happening in the space. I think what might be less clear is the application of Defi and how this is slightly different to what is happening in the more traditional Sector of finance. So, we understand what's happening in AI now. We understand how some of these services can benefit us and, and benefit large businesses. Where does DeFi and or decentralized finance come into all of this?
1: Oh, that's an excellent question. I think if you know, like, if, uh, uh, in, in in my mind, you know, like AI and you know, like blockchain technology, which you know leads to like kind of a DeFi are the two most in- interruptive technologies in the field of like fintech. So, so let me give a little bit of background of like DeFi. So DeFi, which, you know, becomes it has been there for a long time since, the, you know, like the emerging of the uh, blockchain technology, but really it starts from like 2020 summer. So it's we already call it DeFi summer, which is a landmark, you know, like um, of, of the rising of DeFi. So decentralized mm-hmm. finance is kind of an emerging financial technology based on blockchain technology and secure distributed ledgers. So i give you some comparisons of like DeFi and the centralized finance. First of all, in the DeFi, everyone holds their own money in a secure digital wallet. And everyone has their full control all over the money. You know, like it's very different from you put your money in a centralized bank. And one can transfer the fund in seconds. For example, you know, from Dubai, you know, like to like United States in seconds. Like, And also it works like 24, hours a day, like seven days a week. And anyone has an internet connection can use it without any approval. So in the real world of DeFi, there's no barrier to entry. And no, you know, we do not need credit scores in the in the DeFi. And also it's fully transparent. It's really trying to eliminate fees of the banks and other financial companies that charge for their services. So I can give you some very concrete applications of like you know like the DeFi. The first of all, like the DeFi has been used a lot in the international payment nowadays. Uh, of course, there's a different regulations on that. Really? But technical wise it has been very mature right, for, for the international payment. And the DeFi, you know, has something called stablecoin, which, you know, kind of a stablecoin impacted to the U.S. dollar. So, for example, there's USDT and USDC. Uh, they are packed to the to, to the U.S. dollar. Of course, there's some risk, you know, like probably you heard about like this Luna. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But in general, when using the stable coins, you know, even for the countries like not have a very, uh, you know, they, they can use stable coins, people using kind of kind of using stable coins because it's packed to the US dollar for the inflation protection. You know, especially in, 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 in some countries where their fiat can have very high inflation and also like DeFi lead to the decentralized exchange. And they use a very different structure from, like, you know, like, the book. they use something called automated market maker. Very interesting, you know, like financial kind of a new financial technologies. And the DeFi can use for lending and borrowing. So there's no KYC, you know, needed as compared to like C5 centralized finance in terms of lending and borrowing. And another very, very interesting application of DeFi is what we call flash loans, where you borrow the money, trying to do some transaction. And if, the transaction succeeds, you know, like you need to pay the money back. But if the transaction does not exceed, you know, the program can just make, because the program is kind of automatic, so it just makes like everything does not happen, the transaction failed. all the money just goes back. So everything just uh, you know, happening in like less than a second. So the loan, you do some transaction, you pay it back. The whole like, process will be within a second. So this kind of flash loans is you cannot imagine it in the traditional finance. So I think DeFi provides many new aspects and brings like a new world in the financial sector. But of course, it also brings a lot of risk and we need a regulation in the decentralized finance for sure.
0: Yeah, again, um, some really good points there. I think the extent to which um, DeFi is merging with existing financial institutions and systems is something that you pointed to that's really interested. I'm not sure that's something everyone is aware of. Um, And I actually wasn't aware that DeFi had been incorporated into international transfers in existing banking institutions to the extent that you just suggested. Um, but But it totally makes sense. I think where people might get confused is on the difference between the crypto economy and the kind of DeFi blockchain-based decentralized architecture. And as you know, you know, over the couple the past few months, past six months, there's been what's been called a crypto winter. There's been lots of volatility in crypto markets. Uh, a lot of people have, have lost a lot of money. So what do you do you think there is a connection between DeFi and crypto, or do you think these are two different um, things? And also you did mention Luna. Um, which of course that that whole case study scared a bit of people. So what do you think's going on there? I know we need a, reg- a, a need for regulation. Do you think the future is one uh, where you know DeFi and those it, it, DeFi will merge with existing finance, or do you think you know crypto and some of these new financial tools will also take on a life of their own?
1: Yeah, I think for the first of all, the DeFi is very you know very very new, as I mentioned, DeFi. Emerged like in the summer 2020, so it's, a, yeah. it's more like infant. That's compared to like more than like a few hundreds of years of a development of like central bank. Mm. So DeFi is still very very young. So it's mm. a, uh, I think for a long time, you know, DeFi will be like another part of the, you know, like a different part of like a financial kind of a tools for some people, and still majority of people were using, uh, you know, central bank. But uh, but DeFi will growing and to address some, you know, needs like, for example, as, as I mentioned, lending and borrowing without KYC and flash loans. So certainly DeFi is very closely connected to the, to the crypto because most of DeFi protocols are built on like, you know, kind of a, some, for example, swaps or lending and borrowing for some tokens. Um, so of course, as I mentioned, the DeFi has a quite a bit of risk. Uh, so for example, uh, Luna is a case of the showing that the algorithm stablecoin has a big risk because Luna is, you know, just using the algorithm to, to, to kind of uh, trying to stabilize the price of a certain token and trying to make it pack to the U.S. dollar. But it turns out, you know, during some, you know, events, you know, like this stable coin becomes no longer stable. And that's a very big consequence to like run. For example, like 3AC and CLCS, you know, it's really kind of a, like, you know, it's mimic to like 2008 kind of like financial crisis. It's really kind of a financial contention. So in that perspective, you know, we certainly need a very strong regulation saying that, for example, you have to make like very good collateralization or even collectorized, over-collateralize the stable coin. And also like DeFi has certain risk, for example, you know, like, has this, for example, why it's kind of arbitrar- like arbitrage risk. Sandwich attack, you know, all these kind of attacks will happen on DeFi. And also its experience, you know, like security risk. So I don't know if you heard about just the news that happened like about two days ago. Like, you know, for example, Solana Wallets yeah. has been you know jailbreaked and, you know, people lost the money in there. So in the centralized the bank finance, you know, in the in the CFI world, so the bank will be responsible for, for paying the money back. But in the DeFi, you know, probably we still need regula- reg- regulation to say, like, in such a case happen, who will be responsible for that? Yeah. And so, so, so you know, like, I think, you know, like, uh, in the future, um, as the future of DeFi will be, DeFi and C C5 both of them will have their place in the financial world, and DeFi will be certainly growing and addressing some, like, key applications that c5 cannot address. But still, you know, like, the security, the technology, and advancement, and also the regulation, and the... the the things, you know, like very critical for the growth of DeFi.
0: Yeah, that's a good analysis and it makes sense. Uh, it seems to be what we're seeing. I have, we've had some people on the UA Tech podcast, for example, John McAfee, mm-hmm. who basically said within the next five years, you know, central banking and central institutions would cease to exist. And he made a very cogent and compelling argument for that. Uh, the UA Tech podcast, uh over the course of several interviews has tended to find that the trends are more along the lines you suggested which is of accommodation and coexistence between defi and Cfi. um so i wanted to to move into something that i know is not your pure research area but i think it's something that a lot of people in the uae and and increasingly in the united states are starting to talk about which is we've discussed fintech, we we've discussed you know, some of the changes in in decentralized finance and and know your customer. But of course, what's also happening on the blockchain is uh, Web3, is, is NFTs and the convergence of several technologies into, you know, virtual assets and online markets. So I wanted to ask you quickly about what you think about this trend, what you think about the emergence of virtual assets such as NFTs. And what you're thinking is on the virtual economy—is this going to be, you know, the next big thing in the digital economy, or is there some way to go yet?
1: Very good question. You know, uh, I think many people, you know, kind of, kind of believe like NFT is um, really kind of a scam. But I hold a very different view. I I feel like NFT has its own innovation. So, so let me explain it. So, so basically, NFT is so-called like non-interchangeable unit of data is stored on the blockchain. Uh, you know, like you can sold and trade. So, you know, like, you could, you know, you can see now there's a lot of different NFT, for example, paintings, uh, sounds, movies and also some in-game items like releasing the NFT format. So basically, I feel like NFT helps the whole like Web3 or like, you know, starting from blockchain to achieve like two very important goals. And uh, these two goals, I think, you know, like very critical in the Web3 world, even more important than, you know, for example, the metaverse immersion experiences. So, so these two goals are two things. one is create economy. The other is building community. Mm-hmm. So let me explain this. So create the economy, like, for example, I, I give you some examples, you know, like uh, initially like NFT used like this small JPEG, but now um, the NFT, uh, becomes we are moving towards the world, like say utility NFT, for example, in the future I can imagine, so I don't see this product yet, but I can imagine, for example, in the, in the future, you buy a movie ticket and this will become an NFT. So why this NFT is so attractive as compared to, you know, like a traditional movie ticket with mm-hmm. a barcode, because for example, you have this NFT on your cell phone, you can watch the trailer directly on this NFT and you go to the movie theater they scan it, you 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 watch the movie. And tomorrow, like you know, like when you um open your NFT again, you know, like maybe you can see okay, there will be new the NFT was because it's a small problem, can give you a small video showing that okay, look, you already watched this one, you know, it's very exciting. You may want to watch the other similar movies, like for example, release the next month. Mm. it give you a very natural tool for the recommendation. And even in the future, maybe like one month or two, like even one year later, you open this NFT again, it shows you like, hey, you know, like the second, the second series or new release of this movie will be like, you know, will be released, uh, for example, in a week. So will you consider buying another ticket? And so this can have a lot of like a new function in this NFT. And for example, and also, you know, like for example, when you have this NFT movie ticket, you do not need to, you know, like in, 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 when you're getting old, like you, you look at this, it's a very fantastic collectible records of all the movies you have watched, maybe with your partners, with your beloved person. So It's just to give you, a, you know, kind of a very new experience. And also NFT, utility NFT can be a very good way, for example, to create like a new economy, for example, I'll give you another example, like copyright. So uh, nowadays we talk about smart contracts. But, you know, as some people said, smart contract is neither smart nor it's a contract. Um, but, you know, with the NFT, we can probably make, you know, the legal documents directly associated with this NFT. So I'll give you an example. For example, you are a company and you have like a lot of seniors and you may, you know, some seniors may not be very hot so that you invest a lot of money on them. And it's a huge risk. So one way to diversify this risk is that, for example, you, I know some of my friends is doing this kind of a company. So you, you can release this, you know, you can release an NFT of the singers and each NFT corresponds a certain small amount of shares of the copyright. For example, broadcast on YouTube or you know, other, other kind of copyright. And when you buy this NFT, you know, like you kind of enjoying this copyright. So this has two properties. First of all, if you like this singer a lot, you are kind of a donating to your idols. And second, if this scene really becomes you know, popular in the future, you make a fantastic investment because you buy this NFT at a very low price. And but later on, you know, due to like all the copyright, you know, kind of uh dividends, you know, so, so you already make a very fantastic investment. So NFT I think is a very good tool you know, for creating economy. And also like second goal, as I mentioned, is NFT is a fantastic tool for building community. So as you can see, like APE this... B A Y C, this kind of a monkey, become so hot, so popular, and now it's already become a fan- fantastic community. You know, like around this A P E, the people like it. You know, like people buy this, sell this. It's already created like a you, you know very solid community around this B A Y C product. So, so I think I have a very you know like a you know like a you know, I'm very enthusiastic about like the future of that.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm. I'm super interested that you managed to pull out two really good case studies from the entertainment industry there. I agree with you that NFT movie tickets just make sense to everyone. And and we've also covered projects in the UA Tech podcast, very similar to the one that you mentioned of, you know, using NFTs to kind of raise funds for and share the intellectual property for. And, and build the, the kind of community around singers or songwriters or people working in the creative industries. Um, and you know we, we've seen projects in sports as well, of course, like you know um, in baseball, in the states or in basketball, where NFTs have, have proven uh, ma- popular in the, in the mainstream. But I think the use cases for business people and for ordinary consumers, uh, as you suggested, will only grow. Um, you mentioned bought 8 Yacht Club, um, which is, you know, a very valuable NFT-based community and has since, with a couple of problems, moved into the metaverse to try and scale its economy and, you know, create layers of membership and bring hundreds of thousands of potentially millions of people into this cre- kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but maybe creative movement or micro NFT economy mm-hmm. that they've created. Now, again, I know, you know, this isn't um, a, a pure area of your research at the moment, although I suspect that could change in the future. But everyone in the UAE is again asking this question. What do you think about the metaverse? Do you think all the things that we've discussed today from advances in finance and artificial intelligence, to uh, the blockchain and and new financial instruments such as NFTs. Do you agree that many of these new innovations, um, which started what, you know, Bitcoin was what, 2012 or 2011? So they're all relatively new. Do you think they're all going to converge and move into this new space, which for now we're calling the metaverse?
1: Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, Personally, I feel, you know, all these technologies, for example, NFT, blockchain, um, will be a part of metaverse, uh, but in my feeling, you know, when we discuss about the metaverse, it sounds like metaverse is something like provides people a better or immersive experience. You know, for example, it can kind of, uh, you you can do some concerts in metaverse. Uh, you know, it's and, and also the metaverse provides you know like a you know kind of a very immersive experience, like just like watching a movie. But I feel like you know, um, you know, like. The metaverse, we still take a long time to really reach the stage of metaverse, uh, due to the, like hardware devices. You know, you need very you know good glasses or like helmet. But I'm more like thinking along the direction. You know, like for example, no matter it's you know immersive metaverse or you know just a, like simple NFT, you can use it on, on, on your laptop or like your phone. So uh, going back to my previous point, I'm always thinking about the direction. It's like two things: is that the building community and the create and distribute the new economy. So whether it's metaverse or NFT or DeFi, I think the goal is the same. You know, like it's just to build a better community and creating, you know, like a better economy. So I think metaverse along this two goals, metaverse is just another two um, to achieve this goal because it kind of provides you know, the user experience. For example, when we talk about game five, you know, like using the game and also combine the game and you know, like you know, you're playing the game to learn.